Dumelang Sanbonani, good evening and welcome to the Friday edition of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. We're on episode 164. And I'm sure a lot of you are probably thinking, what are we going to cook up for episode 200? Well, you're going to have to uh, wait until, of course, we get to episode 200. But if there's something in particular that you want us to potentially do, perhaps a giveaway that you'd want us to do, then do make sure that you drop us your suggestions down here below. Now, as we always do, we love talking about, you know, not just the Private Property Podcast, but some of the other shows that we have across the private property uh, social media platforms. And that's, of course, the first time a home buyers show that comes to your screens every single Wednesday at 7.45. If you know that you're still on the fence, perhaps you're exploring buying that first property, you definitely don't want to miss that show. And we also bring you the Farming Podcast for all your agricultural needs, doesn't matter what scale you're looking at, but that certainly is the podcast that will cater to your needs. And we'd never forget about you over the weekend, where we bring you the developers show. And the developers show, of course, highlights some of the best states of the country that has that the country rather has on offer. And that's certainly some of the great programs that you can look forward to right here across the private property pl platforms. And we do love hearing from you. If there's still you know certain things that we're not talking about that comes to property then make sure that you drop us those suggestions down here below and we'll make sure that we cater to your needs. And of course, welcome to all our regular viewers, the Top Fan Gang on Facebook and some of our viewers on YouTube and of course on Instagram. We're going to, and I, I remember saying this you know, a few weeks ago, we definitely want to have a battle of the social media platforms. We'll see how we do that one. And that's, a, that's certainly something that we'll probably do in the new year. And if you're a new viewer, well, welcome to the Private Property Podcast. Where have you been? We've been here since lockdown, just as we went into lockdown. We had episode one where we really looked at that first conversation that you want to have as a landlord and a tenant uh, that will help you best navigate the 21 day lockdown. Remember when the lockdown started, we thought we're going to be in this for 21 day and for 21 days. And already at that point, we anticipated that landlord and uh, you know tenants need to be having a conversation or certainly a series of conversations about how they can make sure that they can weather the COVID storm uh, together. And many months later, we're still here. So to all our new viewers, do make sure that you go back and catch up on some of the great content that we have brought on your screens. Well, this evening, we are looking at unlocking property investment opportunities for the ordinary South African. And this is something that's very close to my heart because as you know, I mean, I speak to all of you every single uh, weekday and it is something that I'm quite passionate about. So understanding the different opportunities that are there that are property related, of course, uh, for ordinary South Africans and understanding that property isn't necessarily a thing that's for those people and not for us, because I know sometimes it can be such an intimidating uh, you know, thing to even think of buying or certainly being an active investor in. So if you have any uh, you know, questions when it comes to that and the different ways that we can begin to unlock uh, some of those invest property investment opportunities, then do share down here below. Now, of course, I never come alone. I've brought a great expert guest to help us navigate how we can go about unlocking some of these opportunities. How do we think through some of the opportunities that are potentially there, especially in South Africa, and particularly during this COVID period. I think, if anything, we're realizing that we're not going to 
um, be post-COVID anytime soon. And even the post-COVID world is not going to look anything than what we had in February. So what are the different ways that we can tap into the different opportunities that we're seeing in the property space right now? And I'll be speaking to somebody who needs no introduction. We've had him before on the show. It's always great to have him. And we've got him back, Tim Aknis, who's a co-founder and CEO of Mortgage Market. Uh, Tim, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good evening, Zama. Thanks for having me back on, hey. It's only a pleasure. Now, Tim, I think one of the big things is when we, uh, when we think about, you know, just generally property investment opportunities, especially for ordinary South Africans. I think let's first look at what kind of opportunities are we looking at here? Because I mean, when we even talk about the, the average South African, we know what the numbers essentially say about what the average South African is either earning uh, or their buying power. So what kind of opportunities are we looking at? Especially because as I was saying earlier, you know, oftentimes property does become this rather intimidating, um, you know, asset class that people typically you know interact with yeah so i guess maybe if you have a just a brief look at this world of investing now you know um especially you know during a year like 2020 where COVID has just turned everyone's world upside down i don't care who you are rich or poor uh middle class uh uh starting out etc you know uh we've all been impacted by this one way or another but if you start to point out some key factors that has, uh, you know, driven um, how this year has played itself out, um, one thing you'll understand is that, you know, the stock markets are, are completely down. You know, um, if you're in equities, you've, you've lost a lot of money. Um, if you choose to sell your stock, you will realize that that loss immediately. Uh, if you are um, in the hospitality industry, that's also obviously seen... Um, a downturn given the fact that, you know, COVID has, has really shut down that, that whole space. Uh, essays and junk status, um, you know, the one shining light is two things are clear, which is that interest rates are an all-time low. And the second thing is that the property that you live in, where you've spent the most amount of time in throughout this entire year, has become a lot more valuable because uh, its utility has increased dramatically. And, uh, you know, even outside of that, we've had this view that there's been a housing crisis in South Africa. Uh, there's a shortage of good quality homes, a shortage of people being able to get access to um, decent housing, which has obviously become a lot more apparent because of you know, what COVID has, has meant for us. You know? um, so then when you look at that and you think about investments, you think to yourself, if there was one investment that the average South African should be making, is actually in a decent house, is, is in property, because property has uh, continued to show itself as an asset class that is resilient, regardless of the market, you know, regardless of how bad things are, you will know that uh, you will always either find a tenant or either find great utility in this asset class. So as a first time home buyer, or as a first time um, property investor, uh, this is probably the most important time to be in property. And, um, and I think that it's something that um, every South African should try to take advantage of, just given the current dynamics that we're seeing. Mm, you know, Tim, I'll, 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 I'll push back slightly and almost play devil's advocate, uh, especially because we, we tend to you know, hear people pointing out 
Um, I mean, for example, you pointed out the, the nature of the stock market and how a lot of people's investment value essentially dropped. And some people will tell you that, look, when you invest, you're typically not investing for the short term. So even when you're investing you know, in the stock market, and even property itself, I mean, I know if I were to buy uh, a property that's priced uh, at the right price point, the odds of selling it at, you know, at a higher price point are very slim, especially in this market. Um, yeah. Anything, depending what the price point is of the property you're selling, we are seeing certain uh, property prices going slightly down uh, where others are going slightly up. So it's, it's, it's more than anything to say, look, stock market, and I'm not, I'm not a, a I'm not, um, I, I don't speak out quite a lot on the stock market. Sure. Um, I think it has its people. I'm I'm a property person, so that I can speak very authoritatively on. Um, but I think one of the things that we've certainly found is, in as much as and I've referenced this particular graph. I mean, there was a time where you could see. I think when we went into lockdown, almost those first two weeks, there's a graph where you almost see the value of people's investments kind of going down. That's uh, where they would have been investing in the stock market, and over the months you've actually seen that gradual increase. And with some of it, um, you know, almost returning to pre-COVID um, levels, levels, some yeah. of slightly better. Um, so I think if anything, I'm just bringing this up to people at home to, to not think, okay, don't do stock market. We're quite big on diversify your investment uh, portfolio as much as you can. And other asset classes might tickle your fancy. We, of course, focus on property. So then, you know, to when we then look at property, and, and I mean, I love that you mentioned that if one thing, one of the things that we know is more often than not, especially if you bought, bought at the right price, because I think this is also where people sometimes um, make that error where they bought far above, you know, the market value at the time, that even over the years, their property, it's not that it's losing value, but it's its now getting to the value where the market is, is saying that property is meant to be. So for them, it may feel as though I'm losing value because I you know, overpaid for this property. So by the time you want to essentially sell, you can never really sell at a higher price than what you bought or at the rate that you would have wanted to buy. So then when we're looking at the different kinds of things we can do within property because I mean you and I both know that it isn't you, you don't you don't just only buy a you know an apartment or a house there's so many different ways to actively invest in property I think sure. so for, for the slightly more seasoned guys so let's say you've got two or three properties in your portfolio how should they be looking at the next opportunities that may present themselves because I'm seeing that there are people who've got an appetite for uh, you know playing around a bit more so they're not so much the first time home buyers who are still uh, feeling overwhelmed but they they've walked this journey before but now looking at different other ways of diversifying even their own property portfolio. Right so uh, yeah I guess it's it's uh, it's a question of um, making sure that the right investment advice is given to the right type of uh, profile of, of investor, you know. Um, so, so for me, if I if I looked at a first time um, uh, investor who's looking at property as a safe haven, you know, I would say, out of all the other investment classes, it's an easier asset class to understand, and a lot of the the factors that drive it are um, are lifestyle factors, you know, are factors that affect the everyday person. So it's easier to understand and easier to relate to. For the more sophisticated property investor, obviously you're looking at uh, your, your rental yield returns, 
you are looking at uh, the segments that you're looking to invest in, because um, obviously, you know, those segments will give a, a certain type of, of return given um, the type of market that, that you're dealing in. So for example, as a sophisticated investor, you probably are not looking at uh, buying property for Airbnb anytime soon or uh, hotel rentals, because you don't know when those markets will really start becoming buoyant again, or you wouldn't be looking at acquiring holiday homes, et cetera, right? But you'd put, potentially be looking at like, uh, you know, um, affordable housing or uh, one bedroom units in uh, developing areas, et cetera. So uh, I'll give an example of, and in my early days when I did some investing um, in property out in Durban, there was an area called uh, the Keys out in Durban and big promises were made about uh, all the developments that were going to come out of that space, right? Uh, you're talking about the harbor development, you're talking about, um, you know, I think Ushaka was the main attraction then. And those units were, were you know, priced at a premium, but unfortunately everything else around it, uh, the amenities around it never materialized. And that meant that, uh, you know, those properties never really appreciated in real value. You could only really rent them out for, uh, you know, um, probably at a, at, a, at a material haircut to what you, caught, you, you thought you could rent them out. And um, one of the things that I noticed about those developments was that the developer that built in that area were only concerned about putting up units as opposed to being fully invested in driving a community and driving key amenities that would actually drive up the value of the place. So when I contrast that to a, um, you know, the likes of a Bowen, you know, that uh, when they build units, when they build developments, they're not just concerning themselves only about those actual apartments or uh, townhouses, et cetera, but they actually get invested in making sure that there's a full community around that that's going to arise that will bring in economic vibrancy to it, that will bring in a lifestyle vibrancy to it. And those are the things that will really make sure that as a first time home buyer or a first time property investor, that you are guaranteed a return because there is going to be enough interest and, um, and activity that will prop up uh, the living environment, you know? So it's not just um, uh, one development that uh, the developers not vested in making sure that there's a big, a bigger community play. Um, so a good example of what a great investment is for 2020, um, if we're looking at where, where the opportunities lie, is, uh, is one that's come up about two weeks ago called Wedgwood Santon. Um, you know, that is a development that's in the heart of Santon. It is geared at bringing in first-time home buyers into an area that has historically been reserved for uh, the well-to-do, the affluent, you know. Um, it is right at the heart of Santon City, 150 meters from the Gautreng. It has um, all of the major corporates around it. And that development itself is not just one high riser. It actually comes with built-in amenities that um, are sure to help the value of the place increase over time. I mean, you had apartments going from as low as $7.99 in there, which is a perfect price point for a first-time home buyer to get in. Um, so developments like that uh, are just, they are an absolute gem. I don't think we'll ever see anything like this in our lifetime again. 
where uh, Santon is actually open to first-time home buyers in this way, especially at that price price point. So something like that, if anyone could get in, right, you would be able to secure a unit that in two years' time, when it, once it's built in 2023, definitely the price would have increased by then. And um, we know that COVID is a short-term thing. So the vibrancy of the area is, is really going to make sure that uh, either you're using it for um, your own primary use or for investment, you are definitely going to be winning with, with an investment like, like, um, like Wedgwood Santon. Mm. And yeah, I actually remember when we had the Baldwin CEO, um, you know, spoke to Steve and he had mentioned, because the, the last question I asked him was, you know, what's next for Baldwin? And he had hinted that they're looking at micro apartments, um, couldn't quite give the full picture yet. And of course we saw weeks later, uh, Baldwin Properties announcing that new development that will be coming up in Santon. It's been, um, I think there's been mixed reactions around it. I think those some people who are in property are welcoming it quite a lot. We've seen quite a lot of activity, uh, certainly in the media around that particular development um, and activities around it. And I think it is one of those things that I've seen people who are in property right now or looking at new developments to explore, uh, who are looking at that as a potential uh, investment. Some have already you know, signed up to see if they can you know, get that first phase um, get get a purchase in that first phase. So that's certainly something that we're going to keep an eye out for. But we're going to go for a quick break. And when we come back, I do want us to then explore um, if we're not looking at new developments, you know, what other kind of opportunities should we be looking at? Because there is a case for how new developments are not necessarily the best investment in terms of rental property. And uh, that's probably a conversation for another day altogether. But certainly want to you know, hear from you, Tim, around what are the other kinds of properties that we can perhaps um, you know, explore that are not, of course, your new developments, especially new developments. Uh, because sometimes they're very exciting, but I've seen way too many investors not get the kind of yield that, that, that they would like once you know the, the development is done and they put a tenant in. We're going to go for a quick break. We're going to come back. We will be continuing with this conversation. And I certainly want to hear from you at home, uh, you know, different ways that you're already thinking of property investment for 2021. You know, slowly, you know, re almost wrapping up the year and looking at the different strategies, different opportunities that we're able to take advantage of in the new year. We're going to be back just after this.
Welcome back to episode 164 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. It's a Friday edition of the Private Property Podcast, and we absolutely love wrapping up the show uh, with this particular topic, where we're unlocking property investment opportunities for the ordinary South African. I'm joined by Tim Akinus, who's the co-founder and CEO of MortgageMarket.co.za. And we're really, you know, before the break, we, 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 we had a great look at the some of the opportunities whether for first-time home buyers but certainly even for um, more seasoned investors because i think it is one of those things that a lot of people who already have uh, their skin in the game are slowly starting to think of especially if you thought look maybe let me not buy another property this year um, maybe taking a a you know a pause approach to just first see where the market's going see what kind of opportunities are going to come up and only in the new year uh, are you going to be quite bullish and aggressive in acquiring some properties i mean i was looking uh, i think i did a, a model for additional properties how that would look like versus for example if i were to to acquire a you know a block of flats and the kind of rental yield that you would get so if anything this really is that period where a lot of us as property investors are trying to look at different ways we can play around with our portfolios, leverage our portfolios as much as we can in order to, to be you know, best placed to make the next property decision in the new year. Now, Tim, I think one of the things before I actually get to you know, other types of opportunities that we should be exploring, one of the things you mentioned before the break, I actually made a note of it, and it's a bit of a cheeky question um, because it's a very contested question sometimes. When Certainly when you make your investment decisions when it comes to property, what kind of rental yield are you typically expecting? You know, I, I tend to get into a debate around the rental, rental yield, and, and I know it would vary depending on you know the, the type of property you have, but also the type of tenant that you're probably you know, looking at your student accommodation typically has higher yields than, for example, a place where young professionals um, would be staying. But for you, what would you say is your sweet spot in as far as rental yield is concerned? So some of the way I'll answer that question is that, you know, the question of rental yield is, is it really is a subjective one, right? Because, uh, you know, if you ask me about rental yields today, you know, um, my honest answer is that I actually don't know where it's going because um, of where we are with our interest rates. So interest rates have come off to such a degree that if I was renting property today, I could potentially actually be owning my property. So the question then becomes, why don't I just convert from renting this place to actually buying the same place and putting myself on a path to actually owning it and paying it off? So you look at that dynamic that um, consumers or renters are, are currently faced with. And then you look at the other dynamic of where jobs are and um, potential job losses that would, would cause people to not be able to keep up with rental payments, you know, and, um, and in, in certain segments, you're seeing that uh, vacancy rates of buildings has certainly gone down. It's not as high as it, as it, as it was before. And that's not a short-term thing because the impact of COVID is still going to play itself out over the next couple of years. So then back to the question, you know, where's rental yields? You know, it's, it's a difficult question to, to really answer. And um, I would say for more sophisticated property investors, they're probably having a much more difficult time trying to pick where their next investment should be. 
But, um, but for a first-time home buyer, first-time investor, I think that question is a lot easier because it's a question of how you are able to access the property market at, um, at a, uh, a, a cost-effective rate, right? Um, and I know before the break, you mentioned the question, you mentioned, you had a comment around mixed feelings around new developments and all. But I have to keep saying it, you know, when I, when I analyze everything, it goes back to saying new developments for a, uh, someone who's looking to start the property portfolio is probably still your best bet. You know, it's, it's, I wish I had some other silver bullet or something really insightful to say, but the reality is that there are so many factors that are for new developments, right? Um, if you look at the, the low cost of entry, the fact that when you buy this place, you're not hit with having to pay um, all of the, the costs of acquisition, the bond cost, transfer cost, transfer duties, et cetera. All of that typically gets included in it, uh, uh, courtesy of the, of the uh, property developer. You have transparency on the valuation because uh, you're not trying to figure out whether or not this property is valued uh, differently to the next one because everything has a similar uh, price per square meter. Um, you're able to lock in a price today that you only start to incur the, uh, the debt repayments on in uh, 18 to two years time, which means you get the benefit of the appreciation uh, today. And then of course, you know, you also get the benefit of real house prices. And lastly, you get to save up for two years, right? Up until you, when, the, when you start uh, being accountable to pay the bond back, you can so actually you can put almost, in a nice so you deposit. Could almost put away the amount that you'd be paying for the bond every single month, put it away. 100%. You're ready. Then you're even like dropping that um, on the property itself. So you 100%. your monthly installment. Yeah. And then, and then when, when, you, when you think about it, you know, how better way to get committed to a goal of uh, paying for an investment when you know that you've got to keep your credit profile in check, you've got to keep your expenses in check because a bank can reassess you on that bond at any point in time um, uh, up until the place is actually registered. So you have all of these positive things going for you, right? Um, and, and that means it's a lot easier to make a case for why you should get into um, a new development um, as a way of uh, investing for the future and investing for the, for the long term. So, uh, you know, that was why I was really excited about what, um, you know, the Wedgwood Santon pro uh, project rep represented. It didn't just represent an investment for sophisticated investors. It represented an investment for the average South African to be able to get in, own property that they, they could live in and get a great investment that they could really break into the property market. So um, for me, I'll continue to be an advocate for that, not just because um, I, I personally invested in a unit there, but because if I look at all the other asset classes and all the other types of property investments, uh, I just can't see anything better other than, um, you know, a, uh, a residential development um, uh, type of an, of, of, of an asset class, really. Mm. Yeah. We are taking your questions and comments at home. We've got uh, a question here from on YouTube from Colin Collins, who asks, what factors influence the value growth of a property? It's a really good question. And the factors that uh, influence that are, 
all of those, uh, the ecosystem that's around that development, you know, where you see roads being uh, built and, and kept and, and houses and businesses going up around it. Uh, those are the things that influence the, the value of, of, um, of property in real terms. Uh, so for example, what I like about a developer like Baldwin is that they're not just building units, but they actually invested in everything else around it, all the commercial um, uh, facilities, you know, um, making sure that those, those uh, developments have like co-working co spaces, uh, lifestyle facilities, gyms, um, they're bringing in uh, retailers to also participate. All of those things is what gives a property its true intrinsic value. So, uh, you know, it's a really great, great question. I think every uh, property investor who's looking to buy a property needs to be focused on what else comes with just not the actual living space, but everything else around it. Mm. You know, uh, Tim, we're saying off air that we're certainly seeing a lot of new developments uh, coming up right now. And I mean, I live in Gauteng, we're seeing a lot of them. There's always building uh, in sure. Gauteng. I mean, if, even if I look, for example, in your Santon Rosebank area, that whole strip, every time you just drive there, there's something new that kind of pops up. So I think right. beyond kind of new developments for people who are exploring what to do, where to go uh, in 2021, what kind of other opportunities are potentially there that they can start thinking about um, if they want to pursue them? Yeah, so, um, you know, what I will say is that uh, what has always been um, a really great sort of defensive investment in property has been uh, buying property next to varsities, universities, and colleges, right? Because for as long as those colleges thrive and, and for as long as those colleges are gonna have students, they're gonna need student accommodation. So that's one area that you could look at, right? Um, the other thing that you could, you could look at is, um, I would say uh, property that you could potentially convert into uh, multi-purpose uses right um those typically are, are good because you're not boxed in you know so you can you can flow with whatever trends they, they that uh are being experienced at the time you could you could potentially use it for different different types of um economic uh usage basically but uh if it's not in the ones that i've spoken about certainly looking at colleges and looking at um uni universities those are always great investments because um, uh, you know the the rental yield is going to be there because of the high occupancy rate of those types of um, developments. Mm. You know what I will say about uh, student accommodation, especially if, if anything, maybe COVID half showed us this, um, but we know that you know physical attendance of school certainly isn't going anywhere. So as yeah. much as a lot of people learning this year happened online we do know that we're going to go back to campus students are going to go there what i will say uh being somebody who also has an interest in student accommodation and you know properties that also in that space is be careful which university you're going to be targeted because there are certain areas that are already oversaturated 
Um, and so certainly as a landlord, and especially a small, a smaller landlord who's you know, only going to buy, let's say, an apartment or one of the communes, you might struggle to find the right kind of tenant to place in that particular commune because the market is so saturated. So I think do your research about the, the area. I won't, I won't point fingers about which area specifically, but in as much as we know that nationally there's a shortage of university beds and these great you know, stats from um, you know, Department of Higher Education around the need for more beds. That's why we're seeing so many you know, new developments that are focusing solely on uh, student accommodation. What's equally important is for you as a small scale um, you know, landlord or certainly potential landlord to understand the area you're going into, the limitations of that area, and also familiarize yourself with the norms and standards of student accommodation and what the expectations are, because those are now in. We're seeing a lot of rogue landlords who you know, want to put a lot of students in a commune. Um, they're fairly, there's essentially guidelines to mitigate those kinds of situations. So you want to make sure that if you want to go into that space, you are clued up, not just about, I'll say the rules and regulations, but the area that you're going to target, because that could, you know, cost you quite a bit of money uh, in terms of, you know, occupancy. So that's certainly something that you want to make sure you have your finger on the pulse on. Um, I see Colin, uh, Colin Collins has come back to us again, is watching us, of course, on YouTube saying, how is the growth and value of properties uh, in a complex? So essentially looking, not buying a standalone, but in a complex, how do we typically see the value of the properties um, in complexes? I think one of the key things that you, you need to look at in complexes is how the body corporate and how the, um, the, the managing agents have managed the financials of that. You know, how have they invested in making sure there's good security, making sure that um, they are constantly maintaining the infrastructure, adding new infrastructure, fiber, uh, repainting, um, facilities, et cetera. Those are things that will affect the, the value of the property. Um, so uh, when you're looking at a complex, make sure that you are uh, clued up on assessing how the financials of those complexes have been run, because that will give you a good indication of uh, one, the payment rate of levies and um, uh, the, the level of solvency that, that they have, cash flow and and reserves of that uh, complex. So that would be the number one factor of it. Um, and then of course, yeah, you know, uh, management of, of levies, making sure that levies are, are kept in check and that uh, uh, relative to the value of the property that they're not out of kilter, you know, um, yeah, that, that would be a key factor for me. Mm. And that's such an important one. I mean, I think one of the big things with um, complexes, as you pointed out to me, of course, is the financials. Uh, what I will also say is the there is um, I mean there are different ways where you can get reports on the particular complex. So you're also able to assess um, how the uh, complex essentially is. You're able to look at, uh, for example, things like let's say the particular apartment that you've got your eye on, how much the pre the current buyer or the current owner rather uh, bought it for, and what they're asking for now, and even the average. You know, price of that particular complex. So that also just gives you a good sense of the um, the the value, the increase in value in that particular property. I mean, in that particular complex. So that's something that's certainly um, that you're able to do. The information is you know freely available. 
online. And so that's, you know, one thing I think you you should definitely look into when you're running your numbers, especially if you're looking at capital appreciation as opposed to cash flow when you're doing your property investment. Uh, we've got a question here from Umziwake Tokwani who asks, how will, how will the commercial property affect the residential markets, moreover the increasing vacancy rates in the uh, urban office space? I love this question. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question because uh, I think the answer to that is, is probably still evolving and actually unfolding. Uh, one of the things that is starting to become more popular is the conversion of corporate headquarters into residential space, which is, which is quite a, um, it's an interesting space to be in. I think that there's, there's definitely an opportunity for, um, uh, for buyers or investors in property to pick up really good value there uh, because you have an infrastructure that's, that's placed there. Uh, obviously what you wanna look out for is again, how it's gonna be designed and, um, and how uh, you are um, going to sort of manage the value of the place given everything else that is around it. Um, so I do think that there's a space for that uh, and you'll probably see a lot more of those uh, developments coming up in the coming years. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's probably how a lot of the property funds are looking to keep their assets um, solvent um, by making sure that if you're not getting enough entrepreneurs to rent it out that you are finding a different purpose for it over over the long term so uh it is an interesting and exciting space to look out for mm -mm. i mean i think certainly one of the other things you know tim that i've seen when i reflect on what we are seeing in other markets is there's a rise in uh, a lot of the Apart, let's call it apartment blocks. So this would typically be buildings where they are you know, almost take your lifestyle center that we see like the Baldwin types, but then essentially have it be in the building. So all the amenities are in the actual buildings um, as opposed to, for example, it being a complex. So I think there are different ways that um, certainly other markets where more often than not they have space uh, restrictions. We are not quite there yet, but they we are already seeing the move to something like that, if anything, um, in, in many ways, the, you know, the Baldwin, um, you know, development is something of that nature that's moving towards that as well. So we'll see if in other areas, uh, this is something that's going to be popular. I know there've been, you know, two or three more big developments of that nature that I've seen come up. I think there's one um, in, in Rosebank or Santon and another one in Cape Town, where you really do have the whole building, various amenities, from your concierge, you know, office, and the target market isn't, for example, only your entrepreneurs type who's going who are going to use those amenities, but also the actual residents. So almost having your whole office, life, gym, everything in one building, and making sure that people don't really need to leave the space uh, in order for them to access all their basic needs. Well, Tim, before I let you go, any sure. final tips? Any final tips for our viewers at home when it comes to 2021 and some of their property investment um, goals that they want to reach in 2021? Yeah, I'll say, you know, don't, don't wait for 2021. Um, I think that 2020 still has uh, something to offer in this space. Um, and I will say I was completely blown away by um, uh, what came out of what I think is probably the best property investment 
um, for uh, your viewers, uh, for, for the viewers in 2020 has been Wedgwood Santon. Um, you know, in literally two days, uh, uh, that was nearly sold out and there's still some units available. So uh, if you are looking for property, I would say that is a unicorn that's come out of 2020 that, you know, we, we don't want to remember 2020 for just COVID and for the mess that it's, it's, it's made in our lives. You can remember it for something really positive by uh, making a great investment in Santon. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, as you look to 2021, make sure that you remember 2020 for, um, for a great investment um, like Wedgwood Santon. Well, we are going to leave it there. That is Tim Akinsun, who's the co-founder and CEO of mortgagemarket.co.za. Tim, good, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. And you can say I was, I was already ready to say good evening all over again. Uh, that <laughs> probably gives you a sense of how exciting talking about property uh, is for me and how I could probably do this the whole night. Well, that's a wrap from us here on the Private Property Podcast team. And for myself, Zamandu Kumalo, I do hope that you have a great weekend. Of course, you can look forward to watching the developer show over the weekend with Chad, uh, where he will be profiling some of the best estates that the country has on offer. That's something that you do not want to miss. Well, I will be back on your screen on Monday at 7 p.m. And until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe. I'm Rick Nedling, I'm an Olympic gold medalist and shareholder and marketing director of Aldevia Estate, which recently acquired Pearl Valley Estate. I've been living in the beautiful Paul Frontrick Valley for the last five years. We are situated right in the heart of the Cape Winelands. Security is our number one priority and it's something we work on every day. And this has earned us the reputation of being the safest estate in Africa. The lifestyle that this area has to offer truly is country living at its best.
We're just five minutes away from the historic town of Pearl. Pearl really is an incredible area to explore with little gems like the Spice Route and Fairview Farms. But the biggest attraction is the excellent schools. Franchuk, on the other hand, is a major international tourist destination and also known as the culinary capital of South Africa with a diverse offering for every palate and occasion. Our recent acquisition of Pearl Valley is a major game changer for us. Our residents can now enjoy a wide range of amenities unmatched anywhere else in the world. There's the world-famous Jack Nicklaus Signature Golf Course, which is consistently ranked among the top golf courses in South Africa. And there are some beautiful properties on the course. Polder V really is the ideal family environment. We also cater to equestrian lovers with facilities on offer for every discipline, from the two Hurlingham standard polo fields to our state-of-the-art equestrian centers and miles of trails. Our horses live in paradise too. Oldevi has its own wine farm and cellars producing award-winning wines which every resident can be proud of. I've been blessed to travel the world, but this is the place I come home to. I'm sure you can see why we call it the Valley of Life. And this is my neighborhood.